Hey gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and I'm here in the podcast with a very special guest, Candice Harris. She is the BGG news correspondent and host of Cardboard Creation. She covers a lot of heavy games. How are you doing, Candice? Hey Liz, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh man, it's so awesome to have you on. I'm ready, ready to talk. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those of you who are listening, we're gonna we're gonna take the steps. But basically, Candace and I have both had sort of a similar evolution in terms of our taste in games. So we're gonna talk about that and about our our newfound, well, getting older found love of war and historical games. Yeah. So Candace, you entered the hobby around 2018. What kinds of games did you start on? Okay, so yeah, so I had been playing board games growing up and just having like, you know, random game nights with my friends, Cards Against Humanity, uh, like Apples to Apples, those kind of games. And at some point I got into Dixit. That was probably about 2016. And I thought Dixit was just like the coolest yeah. thing I had ever played in a while. And I bought all the expansions, but didn't really know about anything beyond that that was out there. Um, and then in 2018... Um, my significant other got me Mysterium for my birthday. Uh, and he, that was recommended to him uh, by one of his coworkers who was into games. And when we started trying to play Mysterium, then we just weren't getting, grasping all the rules fully. So we ended up poking around YouTube to see if somebody could explain how to play this crazy game to us. And uh, that kind of led me to Will Wheaton's show tabletop and then you know how youtube works recommended videos all of a sudden i start seeing all these other <laughs> games and i'm like oh, i have to watch this what is this and from there i just started buying games i was just like i want to try this i had no gamer friends i just you know splendor king of tokyo um once i get into something i i start like really really digging and uh, I think I got Ticket to Ride. I started getting iPad apps because I'm like, I got to learn how to play this game so I could teach it to my friends who know nothing about these games either. And that's kind of where <laughs> it started for me was, you know, that Mysterium was the, uh, was the one that kind of led me down the rabbit hole initially. Shall I oh, keep going? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, yeah. I was gonna say though, I feel like we all have that similar story of like, I just got really into games and then I looked on YouTube and whoop, I was sucked in. I really was. I so, really was. So tell us about the progression of your addiction. Okay, okay, sure. Yeah. And I, I should also mention that uh, I'm a musician and I was actually getting into board gaming, the board gaming hobby was kind of a transition of me taking a hiatus from playing music. And I was like, I kind of wanted a break from social media. And I just really found that time sitting around the table, using my brain, hanging out with my friends, socializing, not looking at screens. It was very therapeutic and addicting. And I just, you know, kept wanting to buy games. And I'm also very, like, curious. Like, the more games I realized were out there, the more I wanted to try and, you know, experience them. So at some point, I realized... My friends who aren't gamers, you know, there's only so much I could get them to play games with me. So I was like, I need to find gamer friends. And uh, so then I started looking into meetups. 
and I found a meetup in um, downtown LA. It used to be at uh, one of the the brewery, Angel City. Um, and I showed up by myself. I was super nervous. I'm extroverted, but still, that like that was just a very nerve wracking experience for me to like just show up with strangers. And I'm like, you know, new to this hobby, really. And I don't know anybody, but I showed up. I sat down with some people, very nice people, and played Magic Maze for the first time. Loved that. And then as uh, different people were coming in and coming out, you know, we were doing doing a game changeover. And somebody was like, oh, we have room for one more for Great Western Trail. And I was like, sure, I'll play that. Like, I, I had heard, a, you know, I heard that name before. But at the time, again, I was playing King of Tokyo, Splendor, like very, very light games. And I jumped into this game and I got whooped so bad. And I had no idea like what I was doing. But, but I came home and I was just buzzing with excitement. I had to buy it. So I bought it immediately. I had to like wrap my head around it. And I was just so proud of myself for even like just making it through. <laughs> so that's how like, that's where that was a key moment in, uh, you know, my taste shifting uh, in games. And then late, like a couple months after that, I ended up going to, oh, I found a local convention just from like Googling, are there board gaming conventions in LA, you know? And uh, I ended up meeting some awesome people there. And that's where it was the the one I went to in September 2019 or 2018, where I actually met some of my like core gamer friends that are still like good friends today. And um, yeah, so and they a lot of them are into like a lot of heavier games, too. So I just found myself playing more and more, still buying games, getting like really, really excited about them. Um, and you and I had talked about this before, but, you know, it was kind of that thing where my uh, interests were changing fast before I could actually play games that I had purchased. I'm like, ooh, I'm over this thing already that's still in shrink that I never got to try. Now I really <laughs> want to play, like, these things. <laughs> Did you have something like that, too? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had something like that, especially because um, I feel like my solo reviews, I've always kind of reviewed just whatever, but I'm getting pickier over time because it's becoming clearer and clearer. Like I just want to play lots of historical games, lots of war yeah. games. And it's really different because basically anything that had a dragon on it or was fantasy used to be what I wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, now and now I'm now, like, and now hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting how, you know, both of us and other, I'm sure tons of other gamers, your taste kind of um, evolves. I think it was, I think it was in, you know, talking about historical games. I was never into history in school at all. You know, it was in one ear, out the next, as soon as I got the A on the test, you know, cram, cram, cram. I just was not like interested. I was the person who loved math and music. (laughs) Um, So it's still to me, even, you know, a year, two years after me getting into historical games and war games, it's still just like, I'm like, who am I? (laughs) I, It shocks me so much how excited I am by these games and, you know, how I feel like I'm now 
stepped down a different rabbit hole. So one was just like getting into board games, you know, and then maybe heavy games was another rabbit hole. And now I'm in this other rabbit hole and I'm like, oh, look at this, look at this, you know. Um, but yeah, so I then yeah. there was like a transition into those games too. Yeah, you know, for me, it's actually different. This is, I was always like the history kid that thought math was terrifying. Um, so it's not at all a surprise, I think, that I ended up liking historical games. But I feel like I took a long time getting there, partially because I used to see games as an escape from my work. And I was in a PhD program. Mm. And then after I left academia, I think my inner researcher started to come back out and it manifested through an interest in oh historical games so like slightly different pathways but like same like same end point anyway like (laughs) (laughs) that's it that yeah that's really interesting (laughs) yeah because for me uh i think you know i got freedom the underground railroad because i got into like cooperative games i wanted games that i could play solo and i was just like holy crap somebody made a game about the underground railroad and i was like so curious like i had to have it and I think it's it's a great game. It's so well done. Um, so that was probably technically my first historical board game that I got, but it wasn't the one that right. really like tossed me down the rabbit hole. That was um, it was after <laughs> I played Pax Renaissance for the first time. So have you ever played Pax Renaissance? Ooh, I still need to play that. I want to play okay. it so bad. It, it's, I have not played that yet. That game, that game really impressed me for almost in a similar sense of how I came out of the Great Western Trail experience where it like went over my head, but I was like something really captivated me with it. So uh, PAX Renaissance, one of my good friends taught it to me at a con. We started at like 1130 at night. He's like, no, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I was just so impressed that you have this heavy game. And I'm talking about the, the first edition. It's in this small box. And it's mostly like driven by these cards. Right. And, oh, it, it was just so, and it could be played in like two hours. You can play this, have this crazy heavy gaming experience um, that like seems like you're not doing much, but like buying a card and do, you know, playing a card. But there's like so much more to it. <laughs> um, arguably, maybe too much sometimes. Right. <laughs> but I, but I loved it, and I like had to buy it. <laughs> And I was just like, holy crap, this is a game about the Renaissance period, you know? And that kind of like sparked something where I was like, this game is interesting to me. It's really interesting to me. And then it was, and stop me if you want to cut me off at any point. But then it was, um, (laughs) it was, I was, I was searching uh, YouTube for heavy, uh, heavier solo games to play. Like, I wanted some good, challenging solo games. And on someone's list, I cannot remember whose video it was, uh, Comancheria was recommended. And it might have been on a hidden mm-hmm. gems list or something. But at some point, Comancheria came onto my radar. And I ordered it. And I opened the rule book. And I was like, what is this book report, you know? And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, set up the board. And then I, re- I went through the playbook. And I thought it was... The coolest thing, so I told one of my friends who's kind of like, you know, into war games uh, also at this point, and he asked me, he said, oh, is that a coin game? And I was like, what's a coin game? <laughs> I had no idea what a coin game was. So <laughs> what does Candace do? 
go look up coin games. And then that led me to buying Cuba Libre. <laughs> then get Cuba Libre, play the, uh, learn the rules, run the playbook. Was so excited forever to like get people together to play Cuba Libre. It didn't end up happening until last year, 2020, during the pandemic, on Tabletop Simulator. I finally played my first game and actually played with the same group back-to-back two weeks. And it was awesome. And then it was like a couple weeks later, Colonial Twilight. A couple weeks later, uh, Liberty or Death. I played half a game on TTS. But then I'm just like, these games are so fascinating. You know, and in there, too, there was Root. You know, which is not a historical game, but it is a war game. Um, and yeah, uh, and then some CDGs also, you know, T- Twilight Struggle. I just, oh, I just fell in love. And now I just keep keep buying them and keep playing them. <laughs> so I have a question about this, which is, this may just be you that you're... Uh, you're you're clearly awesome because you oh, like to just jump you. into new things. But what but what <laughs> I hear about war games so much, and I feel like you and I are both kind of in the no 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 come over it's fine it's fine camp. Is yeah. you know people see war games as scary or like maybe they have a bad first experience of one and they yeah. you know don't want to do it again. And, and like you talked about feeling in over your head, but it was exhilarating for you instead of mm. upsetting. So yeah. what conditions do you think led to that? Partially natural curiosity, probably, but also, like, do you think that there were the people who taught you the atmosphere that you learned in, you know, what contributed to you deciding to keep going after it was hard instead of be like, ooh. I think it's, I think it's a lot of just my curiosity and just fascination with how did this get created? Um, that is a lot of it. Like I'm fascinated by how people design board games. And then when you talk about historical games, historical war games, there's, you know, the mechanics and the theme are just sometimes nailed so well. And I just love the fact that there's so much more meaning to playing this game that I'm also learning something about history and, right. you know, reliving a part of history. And that's that's really exciting to me. And I think it's also um, comes from, as I said, like I'm a musician. So one of my other obsessions besides board games is music. And I listen to such a crazy, diverse set of music. But I generally like get excited whenever I hear something new. Like I like a lot of like progressive rock and, you know, Mars Volta, Bjork. Uh, things that are always like skirting the limits and everything. And I think when I play certain board games, I get that feeling of like when I heard my first Mars Volta song and I was just like, whoa, what are they doing here? This is super cool. And I know I don't get it, but I want to figure it out. Like I want to figure it out and understand, you know, yeah, to just understand it. Yeah, that's something I think I feel too. I think what I like the best about historical gaming is it gives me a sense of the real possibilities of what a game can do. Like, where are the limits of what a game can model or let you experience? I feel like you really hit some interesting points. So what would you say to somebody who is maybe thinking about jumping off the cliff into the coin, uh, but is nervous about it? What would your advice be? 
Okay, into the coin games or just any kind of war games? Any sort of heavier. Like, let's say that you want to just bump it up a notch. Go into a historical game. Go into a war game. Play something heavy and that's maybe okay. not your thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, if, you, if you're coming from a background of being uh, enjoying heavier games, um, I think Cuba Libre is a great game to start with. It's, the, uh, it's got a smaller map. And uh, the rules aren't overbearing, but the playbooks are so great, you know, especially I would say majority of my war games are GMT games. Um, but, you know, I have some compass games now. I think Worthington, I'm, I'm starting to like, you know, dabble other places as I'm discovering new games. But most GMT games have a playbook that literally like walks you through a turn. And it's like, if you really want to like, wrap your head around it, set the game up as they instruct you in the playbook and just go through it. And nowadays, thankfully, um, there are more videos, you know, starting to come out. Lots of content creators are starting to make more like either how to plays or just like an overview of how some of these games work. Um, so there, there are good videos out there, but I think you have to be patient. Um, I, like you, Liz, um, enjoy playing solo. So I, I'm not a, like a video gamer. I would much, you know, instead of playing video games, I would rather play a board game solo and have that whole tactile experience and, you know, move pieces around. I find that really relaxing. So whenever I'm learning a war game, you know, I'm kind of probably soloing it, running, running the playbook, um, you know, and reading the rules in conjunction. But, you know, if, if right. coin games, coin games are really awesome because uh, they have asymmetric factions and that just blows my mind <laughs> with um, how that all comes together with the historical uh, background of each of the games. Uh, but if you maybe aren't looking for something um, as heavy or medium heavy as like Cuba Libre. Um, there are a lot of, or maybe you come from a Euro game background. Like I feel like there are a lot of excellent hybrid games out there. Like something like Undaunted Normandy, Undaunted North Africa. I think I'm a big deck building fan too. So I have a bias, but I think those are great games and, you know, very, very accessible for getting, um, Different people into wargaming or tricking people to get, get play a war game with you. Like, whoa, we're just doing a little deck building here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't mind the it's soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, I think there's some people <laughs> there's some people who are gonna be drawn to a certain um, certain point in history or historical t- you know period. So it's like seek out games that are in something that you're excited about learning or, you know, learning more about. For me, I love all the different coin games, especially because they're all different. You know, I have certain friends who are like, oh, I'm not really interested in that. And that's totally cool. But for me, I'm like, I want to see how interested I am in this. You know, I want to like try them all. And I want to like learn and understand like what went on, you know. And Gandhi, you know, so it kind of depends on, you know, what you want. I know some people, too, are thinking like, oh, they might not want to play a game that's really long. But there are um, a lot of 
games, war games, a lot of like card driven games, you know, Twilight Struggle light games, I'll say. Um, but just more like two player card driven games I can play in about an hour, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, they're just there are a lot of options out there. And I think that they are so worth trying because it surprised me. I, I never expected to be here with, you know, I think at, at this point I have more GMT P500 pre-orders than I have Kickstarters that I'm waiting for, you know, and my shelf is just like growing and growing with like war games and historical board games. And it's exciting. It feels like a, you know, a fancy library now, you know, not just my old game library. Now it's just... <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, yeah. that's, he, that's what I would say is like, you know, check out the playbook, watch some videos. Um, and also it's like, after you play your first one, the best part about the coin series is that after you play one and you learn one, you know, when you want to go learn another one, right. a lot of the core rules and systems are in place. So it's like, you just like learn what's different about this. Um, so yeah and that's yeah yeah and actually yeah to that point one thing i like to drive home is that like war games feel really special especially if you can really connect to the theme into the history at the Mm -hmm. same time they're still just games they still just use mechanisms that you probably have seen somewhere else if you played a lot of games they have tokens they have cards they have Mm -hmm. a board or they have whatever combination of those things it's not it's, it's it's just not that weird like a coin game is really not that unrelated to a euro yeah a heavy air control (laughs) yeah i mean you already know the concepts going into these or something like uh you know wars of marcus aurelius which we both like um you know that's so for those who have not played it it's from hollenspiel it's uh robert dolesky fantastic rome era game but i mean it's really just okay i'm looking at my cards i have multi-use cards what do you know like it's it's, (laughs) it's it's nothing that you haven't seen it's just deployed in ways that I find particularly meaningful. I 100% agree. So yeah. you do news coverage for war games and heavy games now for BGG. So when you do your coverage, what audience do you have in mind? Are you talking to you know other people who have already drunk the Kool-Aid as we have? Or you know how do you do news coverage of heavy games and war games that is inviting? for anybody who might stumble across that piece. Yeah. So I, I I like to think of it as I find these, you know, again, I don't come from a hardcore history background or, or war game background, but when I started playing these games, I got so excited about it. So I feel like it's worth, other people trying and I want to give some exposure to things that games that kind of stand out to me, especially the ones that I think are, you know, often great for, Hey, if you don't play war games, but this might be a real cool one to like be your first one, but also just to give coverage to the people who have been playing war games uh, forever, because, you know, there's just hasn't been uh much or maybe any uh, coverage in BGG News for war games um, till right. I started kind of writing about them. And um, like I know when I covered All Bridges Burning earlier this year, I think that article went out. 
Um, I approached that article not just, hey, here's all bridges burning and here's how it works, but it was more so, here's how I got into the the coin series and here's all bridges mm-hmm. burning. And I wanted to let people know that, yes, these games, are they seem very daunting sometimes at first, but it's 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 worth it <laughs> to some people like you know it's worth i think it's worth trying <laughs> and seeing if it's something that you'll you'll like because i'm because of my experience of not even like I'm, I'm still again so surprised that i'm so in love with these games but they're excellent they're excellent and i just think i want people to have that option and know that these things are out there so that's usually where I'm coming from, and I probably will start covering uh, because you know my BGD news articles are either hey here are some new games coming out or it's here's right. a, a game overview article where I say here's how this game works and I want to start doing more game overviews for for war games because I think Allbridge is burning um, and then I co- covered Chores of Tripoli and. Uh, uh, why can't I think of the name? Is it 1800 something? It's a, like a, a light two player one. Oh, yeah, if it's two player. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that one had a solo mode. But I, I just want to start, um, I guess, using my role to expose people to some new games that they might not even realize are out there that they might be interested in. And again, also. If there, if you are already a war gamer, to have a place where you could go and maybe find out about something new that you didn't know about, you know. So it's like kind of that 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 cross is what I'm uh, aiming for with my news articles. Absolutely, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I guess I had another question. So you and I haven't totally talked about this directly yet, which is solo gaming. Do you think? that being a solo gamer made it easier or harder for you to dig into war and historical games? I mean, I have my own opinions on the matter, but I'm curious about where you're at on that. That's a good question. That is a good question. I would say as a person who enjoys solo board gaming, I would think it made it a little easier for me. Um, And I think it's because again, I enjoy the process of learning these games. Like I get very excited about them from just setting it up, running the playbook, reading the rules, pushing pieces around, try, trying to make sure I understand it so I can, because I'm usually the person who's going to teach it to someone else. And I don't know right. that, um, you know, other people will get as excited about that as I do. <laughs> and I just, I, I enjoy that time <laughs> of, setting up a new game, opening it, like learning the rules. Um, that's kind of like meditative for me or something. So, uh, yeah, so I think definitely me enjoying solo games um, has an impact. Yeah, I think it does for me too. But actually, I, so the rules and setup part is true. Like I like being, but for me, it's I think also about being able to take my time. I like not having pressure to know how to perform immediately And so with solo, you know, nobody likes to talk about this, right? But like you can take back a play or you can rewind (laughs) a little bit and try it a different Mm -hmm. way. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be like, ooh, yeah, that was really stupid of me. But hey, no one saw. So (laughs) it doesn't count. (laughs) And I think 
I think for me having the chance to kind of explore at my own pace and make my mistakes um, has given me, you know, more, I think, leeway to enjoy playing these games totally. that, you know, you're going to mess up. I think that that's, you have to accept, like, you're just going to mess up rules. Like, yeah, you're not going to read a coin game rule book and then suddenly have a perfect game execution. It's not going to No, <laughs> it's probably impossible. <laughs> I, I wonder just... if your background in music has made you more relaxed as well. That is interesting. I feel like as, you know, performing and playing shows, I always had some anxiety, you know, being very excited, slightly nervous. And sometimes I get that feeling when I'm teaching a game, especially to a larger group, you know, like I'm not putting on a show, but I'm trying to execute things in the right order so it translates to my audience. And so I don't know if, um, if it kind of uh, helped, but I, I do feel some similarities of being a musician performing and like teaching board games specifically. Did I answer the question right? Yeah, that actually took me somewhere new and interesting, right? Which is, it, okay. you know, I sort of, so, you know, I was too, I had too much performance anxiety to be good at performing music i played a lot of piano when i was younger i really liked it actually but um i got terrified in front of people um but i find that teaching is actually something i enjoy but it's got a little bit of that same i I agree with you like there's something sort of improvisational about it like you have to be you have to know what you're doing and you have to be reactive in the moment because there will be change yeah sure yeah and that's i i keep forgetting yeah you're a teacher for for your day job um, yeah. How does that translate to when you teach games? It's interesting because teaching games is actually harder for me because with students that um, I'm taking from, I know they don't know any Latin to like, I know they're going to know what I've taught them. There's like, it's, it's, it's a different sort of process. Right. And like, you know, you take your time and you play, like I've spent literally this entire week, like holding up different stuffed animals and being like, do you have one of these? Do you have a fox? Do you want a pet fox? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it big? Is it small? And like the kids like are learning those words. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so yeah. I feel like adults have different <laughs> expectations. I also have different expectations of mm. adults. So, you know, you can't tell an adult, put your phone away. I mean, I guess you could, but like, that's not a confrontation I'm willing to have with like people I came to meet. Um, but <laughs> there are parts of it that are, you know, and adults, you know, theoretically, they're willing to learn from you though. So that part's like a lot easier. Like, I feel like I play shows to an unwilling audience all day, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, some of it is the same though. Like, I think that Again, like even like being gentle with myself, right? Which is why I like to do things solo. It's a lot about being calm about when people make mistakes and making sure that it's about the experience that they have instead of overcorrecting mm-hmm. and trying to make everybody be perfect the first time through. Right. I actually think that a lot of that attitude makes those games less scary because if it's about, oh my God, I have to know all the stuff and I have to get it right. And oh my God, like, I think that people really stress out, you know what I mean? But, right. you know, if you're being a little more like, it's okay, you know, we're all here to have fun. I think it really changes the vibe. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's like, you know, part of my curiosity again, I think it stems from, I'm so impressed with all of the different games that are out there and how they were designed. And I'm not, I'm not that person who's like, I have to win every game. 
because I don't win a lot of games, but I don't care. <laughs> like, I love the experience of playing them. So sometimes, like, rules don't seem uh, daunting or stressful to me because I'm like, oh, if I, I don't care if I win or not, you know? I'm just there to see how things yeah. work and experience it with other people or by myself if it's a solo game. Yeah, I think I'm very much like you in that, you know, I, I try not to focus on winning because I feel like misery lies that way. Uh, instead, <laughs> I, I just want to kind of like touch the piece of the puzzle or the machine or the engine, you know, and just kind of watch things spin and like see what yep. happens. Yep. And, and undo if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're a solo gamer, you know, we all sort of, we just get used to losing after a while. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> so what made you play a game by yourself for the first time? Ooh, I think it was probably because I didn't have gamer friends. Um, so it was like, that was the way for me to do it. And uh, I was just telling someone the other day, I remember hearing a lot of buzz about uh, Terraforming Mars when I was uh, first getting, I mean, it wasn't new. I, th I think Terraforming Mars came out in like 2016 or something. So this is 2018, but I knew like this game, you know, either on Amazon or BGG, you know, it was highly ranked, lots of reviews. And I was like, this doesn't look like something I'm going to like. And I got it. And because I, that's what I do, buy games. <laughs> um, I got it. And the first time I played it again, because I'm, I like learning things so I can teach them. I played it solo and I, I just enjoyed it so much solo that I ended up, um, yeah, that I got hooked on it. And then, you know, I play it multiplayer too. And uh, yeah, that's just, I think it was a lot of, that's how I learned games. Um, and sometimes if I want to play games and nobody's around, I want to play games. So I'll do it by myself. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. So, okay. If you and I will both be willing to teach ourselves, but if that's not your thing and you want somebody to teach you, what do you think are the qualities to look for? If you're looking for a war game teacher or to try to have, if you want to bring people into the hobby, I think it kind of depends. Yeah. Like everybody, everybody learns differently, you know? And I think true finding a teacher who can understand how you want to learn and, you know, teach to, to, to you. Um, I think that's really important. You know, some people like to hear all the rules up front and they want to know how everything works before starting other people. Um, probably someone like me. I mean, I don't care either way you want to teach me, but I don't mind just getting started and understanding game one's going to be a learning game. You know, I'm not going to know everything up front, but like, let's just start doing stuff. So I think it's like kind of comes down to uh, just finding just like any game. Um, I don't think it's much different for um, a war game teacher. Although I will say uh, there are some war games where it's really, really helpful to have someone teach you because there still aren't enough videos. I mean, thanks to Beyond Solitaire and um, Players Aid and... Uh, uh, Marco Omni Gamer, like there, there are certain channels out there that are uh, covering war games, so you can find videos. But there's still a lot of war games that aren't really covered on YouTube to um, to easily kind of get into them. Um, there, there's some there's some war games where I feel like it would be really helpful because there aren't that many videos out there. And as an example. 
uh, Harold Buchanan was kind enough <laughs> to teach me combat commander on Vassal uh, at some point. You know, I was I posted some pictures on uh, Twitter that I would just got it and I was excited about it. And even before that, I learned the rules because I wanted to play with Matt. Um, and so I taught yeah. him and we went through like the, the sample play to kind of wrap our heads around it. But there were still some things where we're like, mm, I don't know. And then so to sit down, um, you know, over Zoom or Discord or whatever with Harold and have him, someone who's played this game so much, walk me through a game where we played together, even though I had already like read the rules, it really solidified everything. Yeah. Um, and some some war games, I feel like it's extremely helpful to have someone who has played it before. And the same with coin games. I think if you're getting into coin, the coin series, and you have someone who's played a coin game or a couple coin games, even better, um, explain the rules to you. It's not that daunting at all, you know, but it is if you're going to be like learning it from scratch by yourself and maybe teaching it to others. Um, just be prepared for a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I think it's worth it. And I hope like anyone who tries it finds it to be worth it also. But if you can find someone who knows who knows the game well, because I, I remember like Harold was showing me, oh, this is how this line of sight works. And, and there were like little things that were disconnected from me learning it myself um, just from the rule book and right. playing with someone else who also was new to it. So I think that's uh, really helpful to find a, a teacher who has experience with the war games you're interested in too. Yeah, and I think Harold's actually a great example for that because he's so ready to bring more people into our little niche of this hobby. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the real key to getting war games to people is to find people who want to teach you, want to bring you in, want you to want to play again. You know, my favorite teachers of war games, you know, sometimes they're cranky, but they know <laughs> that the priority is that I will play with them again. And they remember that in that learning game. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I mean, I've always liked cranky teachers, so it doesn't bother me too much, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> totally. And uh, like, yeah, Harold was like super patient, explained things well. And again, some of these games, maybe they could come off a little daunting when you crack that rule book for the first time. But that's why I think it's really helpful to like start getting more vi videos out there for some of these games. Um, and, you know, that'll also make it easier for people to get into. Uh, because, yes, it, it can be yeah. daunting. It can be daunting. I would really love and I just, you know, it's been a hard year. I just have not had the kind of free time I wanted to have. But my dream is to make a really good coin tutorial series. It just oh. never happens because I work a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I hear you. I hear you. I'm like, I feel like I have four jobs lately, but <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be so valuable. That would be so valuable. And I'm kind of hoping that uh Rodney, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, I hope he's going to like do something at some point because he's kind of uh, you know, gone down the coin game rabbit hole too. Um, so yes. yeah, I think the world will still be need me because <laughs> you have to discover the bots for yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, please help us with those bots. 
<laughs> oh man so okay so kind of easy peasy wind down questions so uh i want two mm-hmm. game recommendations from you what is your favorite introductory war game recommendation and then just what's a game that you're playing right now that you really really are enjoying okay uh oh one game for an introductory <laughs> war recommendation uh you can give multiples <laughs> Bonus recommendations. Okay, okay. okay. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give just a couple. Uh, one is uh, Sekigahara, Unification of Japan. Um, I think that game is very accessible for non-war gamers and war gamers alike. And it has. It's only two players, but uh, it's a block war game. I'm sure you might have played before, Liz. I'm not sure, but you should check it out if you haven't. Um, I haven't played that it's, one. Oh, you should. You should. Although you, I don't think you can solo it <laughs> with the blocks. But um, uh, but it's it's very <laughs> accessible and it's not too hard to learn. And there's just some of the the tension in it is just incredible because you can do so much bluffing because you have a hand of cards that has like these different icons on it. And when you're going to battle someone with your blocks you can only fight with blocks that match the cards you have in your hand. So you could be showing up with like 10 blocks, but maybe you only can really activate like two of the the blocks there or vice versa. Like maybe you only have three blocks and you can go and like bluff a little bit. So it's, it's really good. Um, It's uh, yeah, I think it's a good intro war game, but again, I'll say also, um, undaunted the uh, undaunted normandy probably good good place to start but undaunted yeah north africa is also excellent i'm gonna take a peek on the shelf real quick uh, okay okay do it okay i think uh <laughs> phone a friend do it i think also uh, a new one <laughs> a new one that i'm hoping to uh eventually write about hopefully but you know there's the time thing just like you're saying like i feel like time is always just so tight lately but um europe divided uh which is uh from phalanx and it's david thompson and uh chris marling and it is a post cold war game that is very yeah it plays in about hour hour and a half it has some another two-player game it has some like really good tension to it, um, and it's like it's one of the best Twilight Struggle light games I've played. Um, but it does things in a little bit of a different way, and that's like a really good intro. And then the last one I'll say, because I can think of a lot, is uh, 1775 Rebellion. 1775 Rebellion is like from Academy Games. Have you played that one before? No, I have not. You haven't okay. Um, that's cool because you you yeah. can play. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you can. I don't think there's a solo mode for it. But uh, but it is two to four players. And when you play with four players, you play in teams. And uh, it's just again e- easy to learn. Some fun area control. Uh, just a good start for getting into like historical games and war games that you know isn't overly heavy. And then if you are coming from a background of playing heavier games, 
Uh, the coin series, you know, uh, Cuba Libre is a great place to start. All Bridges Burning is a three-player coin game that I think is um, not too complicated that that can't be your first one. Uh, but yeah, those are some recommendations yeah. I would have. And then what am I playing that I'm very excited about lately? Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, I just played... <laughs> There are a couple things again, <laughs> but I would say, um, do it. <laughs> okay. I, I just played Friedrich for the first time. Uh, have you played that or heard of it? Yeah. We're playing up totally different tracks, which is like, okay. it makes it great to talk to you. Okay. This is Ooh, another. That looks so European history. Yeah. This is on the seven years war. And, uh, this is a four player game. You can play with three, but it is, you know, probably best to play it with four. Um, but it's another uh, very, I would say, very accessible war game to kind of get into. Uh, one person is uh, representing Prussia, and everybody else is trying to uh, get control of these objectives. And meanwhile, I was actually in this game yesterday. I was the Prussian player. So I have to just try to uh, make sure nobody wins before the clock runs out. I was not, spoiler alert, I was not successful. But another thing that I'm really, <laughs> that I'm really excited about that actually has nothing to do with war games or heavy games is a filler game that I just got uh, called Scout. And Scout is just like this super interesting uh, I guess it's more of a ladder climbing game than a trick taking game, but oh, it's I've only yeah. played it like four times so far, but it's really awesome and it's kind of going to replace a lot of things as my small take it anywhere, teach anyone kind of games. Um, and then I'm excited to play. Oh, I have a list. I just got Verdun 1916. Uh, which I know uh, I heard uh, Volko and Mark Herman talking about that. And I love CDGs. And I was like that. I'm also like just getting, I'm doing a lot of uh, world war one reading and listening uh, lately. So I've realized I'm accumulating a, a stack of world war one related games. So I'm excited to play that, but I haven't played it yet. Uh, and I also uh, just got a copy of Successors from Phalanx, and I'm stoked to play that. Ugh, the list, the list can go on. The list can go on. I'm so mad that you live a whole country away. <laughs> you, you need. <laughs> it's to, not fair. <laughs> you need to um, come come on out to LA and and visit sometime. <laughs> come on, come with Delta Goat Way. <laughs> so in the See, meantime, what's the best I, place to reach you online? Okay, I uh, on Twitter you can follow me. I am at Candy Drum, and it's C A N D I D R U M. Part of my name, Candy Candice, uh, and Drum, because I play the drums. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also I am hosting a show on Board Game Geek called Cardboard Creations, where I interview game designers, and I'm definitely planning to uh, cover. I just did an Andy and Abyss episode with Vocal Runky. And I'm definitely going to be trying to cover more war games on that platform as well. That is so awesome. And for those of you who listen regularly, you know, I'm everywhere as Beyond Solitaire. Please leave us, you know, likes, 
questions, comments. Thank you so much for listening. And Candice, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Liz. Like I've been a big fan of your channel for a while and it's good to kind of finally meet you. (laughs) Yeah, this has been super great. I, I am so glad that you came on.